kind of officially ending our 25-year celebration. It's, it's probably time to do that with two Sundays left in the year. And we've had this uh, uh, emblem up, the 25-year anniversary up. Uh, we've got the things on the doors that are reminding everybody it's 25 years, you know. And it has been great, 92 to 2017. It's been a great, if I put it up there one more time, that, that emblem that we have. Yeah, there it is. We've been celebrating that for, for a year. And we've done different things. We've had different people that we've honored and different ways that we've celebrated. But I thought this would be a good day to kind of finish it up and say, it's been great and it's been an awesome year. And we've enjoyed all the reminiscing and especially when we honored Cliff Kaufman before he went to heaven. That was one of the most moving uh, moments, I think, of all year. And there's been other moments like that we've had that have been just tremendous and uh, celebratory. It's been, it's been awesome. But today, church, I officially announce we're 26. So uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna make those changes and move on and get our new theme up there and move past uh, this great milestone of a quarter of a century old. And uh, it's going to be good. But I do want to honor one more family. Uh, we've honored a lot of families this year. And w- the way we've done it is presented them with a beautiful uh, plaque of appreciation. And there's every family in the church deserves appreciation. I mean, you can't necessarily single out. We've tried to focus on some of the ones that have been here a long time. Uh, and, and I think that's been kind of the, the, the way that we've tried to approach it. And, and, and we honored Cliff, and little did we know he'd be going to heaven. So things like that. I think God, it's been very appropriate and very fitting. But today I think this is a great way to end it. Because I can't think of a family who's had a greater impact without maybe even you knowing it. But I think you probably do know it. Because there's dozens of ways they've helped me, helped our church family. Um, I think they're best known for just loving those who have a hard time uh, getting around. Uh, uh, This man has been more helpful to people who've been elderly in our church. And he's not the youngest guy in the church, but I think that's how he stays young. And then his wife has been precious. Just the other day, uh, this elderly couple, they're in their 70s. Uh, watched Glory Ann so we could go to the Christmas party. And, uh, you know, there's not many, not many folks you can drop Glory Ann off to. But Raz and Esther Pittman said, hey, we can take care of it. We got, and it was just amazing. And so today, I would like to ask Raz and Esther to come to the platform. And I'd like to ask you to join me in honoring our last couple for the new year. Raz and Esther Pittman. Come on up here. Raz, <laughs> hey, you got the memo. <laughs> I love you guys, and uh, they have been such a blessing, I'm telling you. And I love you too. I love you. And they, they've just been great. I know how many of you have received, been on the receiving end of their love. But today they're on the receiving end of our love. And I thank you. Uh, I'm glad we get to be in the small group together. I'm glad we get to serve the Lord together. Did, did, we, did you get that? Ramp it. Got the ramp built and completed with Steve Dobler and Steve Rector's help. Thank you guys. Amen. Just just this week, Steve Dobler, Steve Rector, and Raz, just a testimony of what I'm talking about. They went over to Unimay's house, Unimay McClellan, and they built a, a handicap ramp for her because she needs it to get into her house. Isn't that great? This is the kind of thing that is real ministry. It's raw, it takes time, and it takes a thoughtful person to initiate that. And I just thank you, Raz, for being that person. I love you. And we're going to take you guys out to eat and enjoy a dinner together. Amen. So let's give one more big round of applause. Happy anniversary. 
Love you. Today's her 70th birthday. What? 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 Today is her 70th birthday? Yes. She turned 70. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Esther. Happy birthday to you. Hey, we didn't plan on it being the biggest birthday party in town, but I mean, look how many people came to her birthday. This is like incredible. And then Judge Ralph Ohm, our district court judge, asked if he could make a presentation to finalize our 25-year anniversary. So, Judge, you come. I don't, uh, didn't know about this, but uh, I'm going to give you a mic and let you tell the church what Thank God. You. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, man, this is exciting to conclude one chapter and open another. Uh, I will tell you this. It's obvious that Pastor Eric trusts me because I told the 9 o'clock, he let me have this microphone in this stand without knowing what I was going to say. Now, that's a pretty amazing expression of confidence, and I appreciate that. And on behalf of Darian Ashton, who are sitting in the balcony, and on behalf of myself, we want to congratulate uh, the Gospelite family, those that have been in the past and those in the present. It was an amazing accomplishment. 25 years is just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, it is. I hope you appreciate you know, a lot of marriages don't make 25 years. A lot of businesses don't make 25 years. A lot of ministries do not make 25 years. It takes something special. God has to anoint a ministry for it to last as successful as this one has. And so, you know, what you, some of you don't know is I actually happen to be the county attorney in addition to a judge. And I was meeting with and talking to the county judge, Rick Davis, the other day, and, and I was telling him about this about Gospel Light being 25 years in the heart of the city, been there the whole time, so, so supportive of so many ministries, that I just felt like we needed to do something. The county just needed to do something to acknowledge that. And here's what we came up with. We came up with a proclamation. And I want to read this to you. Actually, I need to get my glasses first. I forgot to get those initially. I used to didn't need these, and I don't need them to see you, but I need them to see this paper. It's entitled a proclamation, and it says, Whereas Gospel Light Baptist Church in Garland County, Arkansas, is celebrating 25 years of serving our community and bringing hope to the broken in the name of Jesus Christ. And whereas Gospel Light Baptist Church is a passionate church in Hot Springs with a heart for our city, and whereas the people of Gospel Light Baptist Church desire that everything they do or anything they might accomplish might bring glory and honor to God. They have been commissioned by Jesus Christ to make disciples of all nations in our community, country, and around the world. They strive to balance being culturally relevant to reach our city with the gospel and remain faithful to the truth found in the Bible. They connect believers to God through worship, and to one another through discipleship, service, and outreach. And whereas, by God's grace, and as a result of the people and leadership team of Gospel Light Baptist Church, multitudes have been reached for Christ through various family ministries, small groups, outreach ministries, the Hispanic ministry, 
gospel-like Christian church and champion Christian college. And whereas for 25 years, our community has experienced God's love through the faithful leadership and servanthood of Pastor Eric Capace, who has dedicated his love and life's work to Jesus Christ, his family, Gospel Light Baptist Church and its ministries, and the people of Garland County, and whereas it is fitting and proper to extend Garland County's appreciation and best wishes to work to the work and the people of Gospel Light Baptist Church for such a memorable occasion. Now, therefore, I, Rick Davis, County Judge of Garland County, Arkansas, do hereby deem it an honor to proclaim December 17, 2017, as Gospel Light Baptist Church Day in Garland County, Arkansas, for 25 years of faithful service to our community. Signed by Rick Davis, Garland County Judge. Man, what a privilege to be able to go all over town today and ask folks, do you know what today is? Do you know what today is? Well, it's like eight days before Christmas. No, it is Gospelite Baptist Church Day. Now, now, does this, does this mean that, no, this is just today, right? It's not every, it's not every day, just today. So for 24 hours, and we're running out of time to let people know that, but how cool is that? And here's the thing that I love about this is the way that it was written, the words. It's just great to be in a town where they would recognize us for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, thank you. And, and I'm going to, you know, we're blessed to have a Christian judge and a Christian county judge. Rick Davis is a great man. And he's been in my home before. Uh, we're blessed. He's a great guy. I encourage you to thank him for this and, and thank you for this. You, you are a big part of this as well. So hallelujah. Well, open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. And I've got about 30 minutes, 35. That's all I need. I, I'm excited about this message. If you need a worship guide, uh, we're going to get you one. Raise your hands, and these ushers are going to get you a worship guide if you need one. Anybody? Great. Here's a couple here and one on the front row here. Great. Take care of these folks in the balcony as well if you need a worship guide. Thank you, Brother Bill. Thank you, Brother Jeff. Thank you, Brother Raz and Ken and Junior. Thank you. All right. Great job. All right. Well, we're going to talk here about hope. But before we do, Christmas is more than just presents. Christmas is joy. And joy is something that I think we sometimes tend to place in a box called Christmas. And we, we, we sing joy to the world once a year, and that is during this time of the year. And really, honestly, that should be a song we sing all year long. Because Christmas is not just joy in December, it is joy 365 days a year, 24-7. Are you with me? I mean, joy is not dependent upon circumstances. Joy is not dependent upon North Korea. Joy is not dependent upon who's in the White House. Joy is dependent upon Jesus Christ and, and his birth and his resurrection. So <clears throat> I want you to understand Christmas is, is joy. Number two, Christmas is love. We talked about that last week. Love 
is God loving the world enough to send his son? And joy, uh, love is something that God says in his word is the greatest of, of, of all. In fact, without it, you have nothing. And, and the Bible is very, actually very critical towards someone who does something good without love. Uh, it's, it's just really strong language that we discovered last week in Scripture, uh, that we talked about last week in Scripture. And, and I pray that that's sinking in and, and, and love is growing in your heart during this time of the year and, and will continue to grow. Love is so important and expressing that love is incredibly necessary for a church to be strong. And then Christmas is hope. What is hope? Well, hope is something that is somewhat a little a bit uh, taken for granted and maybe overlooked because it has some negative connotations. Uh, in other words, sometimes we tend to say hope in a way that is doesn't have a lot of energy. For instance, hey, are you coming to church tomorrow? Well, I sure hope so. Kind of like, you know, okay, well, yeah, I hope so too. You know, kind of like it's... You know, uh, that song, it will be worth it all when we, like depressing. You know, it's just like, okay, I get it. it. Can it be worth it all now? You know, I mean, when we ask you if you're coming to church, can you do a little better than I hope so? You know, can, can we be a little more excited about <clears throat> you coming tomorrow? Can we have a little bit more expectation? Because that's what hope is. Hope is the confident expectation of future blessings. That's what it is. It is the confident expectations. Hope is energized by expectation. Hope is, hey, you coming to church tomorrow? (laughs) I hope so. You better believe it, man. I can't wait. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Yes, I hope so because Jesus could come back. But the only thing keeping me away from church tomorrow is Jesus come back or I've got to be dead sick in my bed. Man, I, I hope so. Hope is energized by expectation of something that's going to take place in the future. The best things are ahead. That's hope. The best things are ahead. Good things are coming for me. That's hope. Hope believes that. Hope says that in spite, I don't care what the world says, what circumstances say. Uh, I I, I don't care about what the news says. Uh, I've got hope that it's going to get better. I'm not, I'm not okay what the doctor says. If the report says that, you know, you, I've got cancer and, 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 and they're giving me this much to live, hope says, wait a minute, it's going to get better. God's got this. God, God, God's got this. I'm either going to get healed here. I'm going to get healed and spend an eternity with Jesus. Hope's got this. Hope is the confident expectation that regardless of what happens to me here, I'm confident that God has greater plans. God's got this. If you don't have that, what you're missing is hope. Hope for your family. And a lot of families don't have any hope. Uh, They've taken the road of of depression, discouragement, defeatism, and it's almost as if we've given up on things as opposed to having this hope that says it's going to get better. Uh, Hope in your finances. Sometimes that we can lose a job. We can, during the Christmas season, feel as if we just... Wish we had more to be able to do more. Hope in your future. Your future is as bright as the promises of God. You do know that, don't you? You say, oh no, brother, you have no idea what I'm facing. I've got this and this. No, 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 no. Time out. Your future is as bright as the promises of God. You see, what we've done is we're not clinging to what God has said. We've lost 
hope. We've given up. We've stopped believing. And God says, wait a minute. The Christmas is about hope. And you're going to see that in the narrative this morning. Look, look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Let's look at the angelic announcement of the birth of Christ to Mary. And I want you to see in a few verses the Mary, uh, rather the hope, excuse me, that Mary was given. Mary was given hope in Luke chapter 1. And there's a lot of hope. She needed hope because this was a, a definite shocker to her. And she, she could not see how God was going to do something that he said he was going to do. She needed hope. And she got it in the angelic announcement that Jesus was going to come through a seed placed in her womb. It's an amazing thing. Number one, you ready? Four truths that translate hope into our experience of life. Number one, hope meets us where we are. Hope comes exactly where we are in the situation we're in, in the problem we're involved in, Hope comes to a troubled nursing home room. Hope comes to a hospital bed. Hope comes to a home that's discouraged. Hope meets you right where you are. Look at Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel. Now, we know that angel's. We know who that is. I mean, it's a very familiar angel. Gabriel comes in the sixth month of what? Of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And so Elizabeth is six months into having her baby, John the Baptist. The angel Gabriel is coming to Mary in this moment. She comes from, uh, it says she's sent from God, and she goes to a city. The city is Galilee, and the city is named Nazareth. I mean, Jesus is coming to Galilee. Jesus is coming to Nazareth. Can you believe it? I mean, if I were to announce today that, hey, Jesus is coming to the United States of America. Or let me, let, me, let me make it more personal. Jesus is coming to Arkansas. Now, what you would think, what I would think is, hey, I'm going to Little Rock. It's going to be in the big city. It's going to be in the capital city. Jesus is a big, I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, he's the savior of the world. I mean, we're, we're probably going to be meeting on the capital steps at a big rally. And the angel Gabriel says, no, you're going to be in Mount Ida. <laughs> Mount Ida? Why in the Jesus is coming to Mount Ida? Oh, that's what, that's what Nazareth would have been like. We're talking about a rural town of about 2,000 people. I mean, this is a strange story. The more you read it, the more you understand that Jesus did not do things in such a, or God didn't do things in such a way that were easy. But God gave hope through these tough times. And these were tough times for the nation of Israel, very tough. You got to realize, hope met Mary, where she was, and where she was, was in a country that was under great persecution. Israel was under Roman control. And they were enslaved by a lunatic king named Herod. And Herod, after the first Christmas, gave an edict that every child under the year of two would be executed. The soldiers would go into every home and, 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 and take every child, every male child, under the age of two and execute them. This was the day that Jesus was born into. These were the times that Mary was living in. Look at verse 26, and we just continue to read. Verse 27 says, And and this angel came to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, in the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. I love the emphasis on virgin twice in one verse. 
And the angel comes to her and says, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with, with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled. The ESV says, greatly troubled. Greatly troubled is, is, I think, a great translation there because that really is what that word means. That, that particular word, troubled, greatly troubled, doesn't show up anywhere else in the entire word of God. This is a singled out time in Scripture where there was someone who was greatly distressed about this. You see, hope met Mary where she was in a, in a tough time. In a tough time. But hope met her there. Yesterday, I was at the nursing home making a visit, and uh, well, I was actually doing a service. And every, every Saturday at 3, I, I, I've really learned to love this, this service, this church. God's given us about 30 members there. One of the members is named Bill. Bill is a, was a pastor of a Pentecostal church for about 50 years. He was a missionary in the Philippines. He was run out of the Philippines by death threats. His wife just passed away a few months ago after 70 years of marriage. So I walk up to Bill. I notice he's got these goofy-looking glasses on. I mean, they're goofy. And I walk up to Bill, and I say, Bill, you're looking quite strange today. He says, well, Pastor, man, I can't hardly see. I'm going blind. I mean, I can't see anything. These things help me a little bit, but it's, I, I, can't, I, mean, I, can see, I can't see your features. I mean, I can see like a gray blur in front of me. He said, I can tell your, you know, I can hear your voice, obviously, but I, I, I can't see you. He said, you know, yeah, I, I, I tell you, uh, just how it is when you get old. He said, you know, it's, it, but it's okay. I'm like, it is? Why is it okay, Bill? He said, well, it's okay because you see, Pastor, I'm 90. He said, these old eyes are about to give out, but I'm fixing to get me two brand new ones. He said, you see, preacher, I've got a promise that, that, that if, if God doesn't touch me here and let me see here, he, he's, he's already touched me because I'm going to get my eyesight back when I get to heaven. And I know that. And so really, I don't care. You know, I got to see like 89 years. That's pretty good. He says, just been the last few months, he said, and really it's not so bad being blind. You get to kind of experience what it's like for other people that are blind their entire lives. I'm like, Bill, you're going to be a sermon illustration in the morning. He's like, really? I said, yeah, I've never seen somebody, somebody with such a great attitude about being blind. But you know, why you're, you know why you are excited, Bill? Because you got hope, buddy. Hope is the confident expectation of future blessings. You're not complaining, Bill. Because you know it's going to get better. And he said, yeah, preacher, it's going to get better. And Bill and I had a wonderful celebration there because you know where, you know where Hope met Bill in a nursing home? Hope met Bill there in a place all by himself. His wife is already in heaven. His ministry years in the Philippines are over. He sits blind in a chair waiting for his meal at a nursing home. And he's fixing to be a part. In fact, he told me, he said, it's awesome. He said, uh, he said, yeah, I've been out with my son. He's been, we've been running some errands. He said, but I told him, you better get me back for my church service at three. I said, you know, Bill, it makes me realize how important this service is. You, you, you got back here because this is your church service. He goes, oh yeah, preacher, I can't go to church anymore, but I, I've got this three o'clock service. This is my church. How good is that? You say, brother, well, how do you do everything you do? Well, I'd do less if you'd help me, but... Here's the deal. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to meet these people. Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to help them. Somebody's got to make themselves available. We can't leave Bill without a church in that nursing home. And I realize that, and you realize that, we realize that they need hope. And hope will meet them right where they are. 
Oh, I love that. I love this. Where, where are you right now at Christmas? Hope can find you. Where are you? What is your family going through right now? What is your marriage suffering through? What are your finances going through? How, what, what is the, the latest health report you got or your family member got? Hope is coming to you right now in this sermon. Right now, hope is coming to you saying, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. That's hope. Believe that. Believe that. Hope can meet you where you are. Number two, hope overcomes our obstacles. And we've all got them. I've got obstacles. Have you got obstacles? I've got things. I'm like, whoa, dude, that is a major obstacle that's in my way. And I'm really not sure how it's going to work out. Hope overcomes that. Mary had obstacles. Look at, look at this obstacle she had in Luke 1, verse 28. And the angel comes to her and says, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verse 29. And when she saw him, she was greatly troubled at his saying. And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Mary had her fears. You see, she, she cast in her mind some doubt and some concern. She was trying to figure this thing out. What's going on here? She's trying to discern what's happening. Mary had her fears. And yet in verse 30, the angel said, You have found favor with God. And by the way, when you find favor with God, that's all that matters. You see, if you learn to please Jesus, it will not matter who you displease. But if you displease Jesus, it will not matter who you please. All of us need to be concerned about one thing above everything else, and that is finding favor with God. Because if you make the favor of God your focus, everything else is going to work out. Everything else is going to work out. It's going to fall into place. Now, wait a minute. Let's not mistake that for everything being perfect. Well, I don't understand, Pastor, because, man, I'm seeking God's favor, and he's giving me his favor, but things aren't going so well. Well, that's, yeah, that's true. Because finding favor with God actually has nothing to do with everything being, like, smooth and perfect. Think about this story. Hey, Mary. Mary. You have found favor with God. And so your son is going to be born in a barn. I'm going to tell you something. 21st century moms, you guys are like worried about every germ there is. I see you moms. I ain't putting her in the nursery for six months. She might get sick, you know. And we're worried, you know, have you washed your hands? And we're freaking out. This Jesus was born in a stable. We look at the nativity scene. We think it's so cute. There's animals in that scene. They're pooping near the bed of the baby. I mean, that's not even gross. That's just true. And sometimes I think we get, we get all freaked out because we want everything to be just perfect. And sometimes perfection is, is something that is so false. We, we get this false perception that everything's got to be just right. And God says, it's not just right. It doesn't have to be just right. Hey, hey, Mary, you found favor with God, so your son is going to leave you, and he's going to follow God's will, and you're hardly ever going to see him, and you're going to be very lonely because he's going to be doing the will of God. Hey, hey, Mary, you found favor with God, so guess what? Your son's going to be beaten, he's going to be spit upon, and he's going to be crucified. But you found favor with God. I'm thinking Mary's thinking, boy, favor's not really working for me too much right now. I'm not sure about this favor. 
Favor is not everything is beautiful and bright. Favor means that God Almighty has his hand upon your life and that he's going to use us and what we've been through for his eternal purposes. That's favor. Favor says whatever you've gone through, it may be tough and you may not understand it. It wasn't beautiful when it happened. It wasn't beautiful. It's not not bright every second of the day. There's tough times that have gone along with this. But here's the good news. I'm using it for my glory. I've got eternal purposes in, in all of this that happened over here. That is favor with God. How many want favor now? Amen. I do. And favor doesn't mean it's going to be easy. God can make it where we actually thank him for the hard things that he's put in our lives. Can you imagine? God, thank you for this hard thing. Most of us are afraid of the hard things. We don't want the hard things. And and I don't either. I'm not suggesting that we should look forward to the next trial. But I am saying this. When the trial comes, there's a reason why God said, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. You can give thanks for the tough times, knowing it's the will of God. And you found favor with God. And he's going to use it for his eternal purposes. God's favor is not easy. But God's favor is good. God's favor is good. It overcomes the obstacles we face. Number three, hope, thirdly, brings a plan. Hope brings a plan. I love this. Because you'll see a plan that was given in this angelic announcement. And by the way, it's, it, isn't it good to know God's plan for our lives? Isn't it good to know when you finally figured out, oh my goodness, God had a plan in all of this. And, and when we were going through it, we were like, oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Then we get through it, we see God's plan, and we're like, this is the best thing that's ever happened. So, so look with me, if you would, please, in our text again at Luke chapter number 1. And let's just begin in verse 31. It says, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Mary is getting the plan. Look at Matthew one twenty one because it gives us a more specific part of the plan. It says, and thou shalt bring forth a son, call his name Jesus. That's the same thing that Luke said. But Matthew added, he shall save his people from their sins. That was the plan. The plan was Jesus would come to that stable, to that manger, in that small little mound out of town. And God would use this incident, this this situation, ultimately to save the world. That's God's plan. I love this. It goes on to say, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of the father of David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. My friend, that's the gospel. That's the gospel forever. By the way, that's, that's, that's what we have to look forward to with Jesus. It's eternal. It's everlasting. It's forever. God, hey, we're on the winning side because God has already defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. Notice here the plan of the gospel, and this should be the focus of Christmas. The message of the cross as payment for our sin. But here's the problem. The method of the cross as payment for our sin is becoming less and less popular today in our churches. In fact, I think that's the next, that might be the next note. The message of the cross. If you are here without Jesus Christ, you have nothing, no matter what else you have. Here's the message. Church, it's very clear that Jesus is the way to heaven. 
And if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. You have no hope. If that offends you, then, then, then that is the gospel. It's offensive. We don't water down the gospel here by saying that, well, if you just believe this, as long as you believe in something, you'll get to heaven one day and we all can have different paths. No, there's only one way to heaven. We can't water that down, church. It's the cross. It's Jesus. It's what he did when he died on the cross for us. There is no other way. That's it. We're very narrow-minded when it comes to the cross. And so if you are here without Jesus Christ, you have nothing no matter what else you have. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather be his than have houses or land. I'd rather be true to his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or to be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this old world offers. Because if you have Jesus, look at the next note. If you're here with Jesus and you have Christ personally, you have everything, no matter what you may lack. Well, I wish I had a bigger car and a better house and a bigger boat, nicer clothes. I wish I had all that. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you have Jesus? Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? You got everything. You got anything else is like just a bonus because it doesn't matter. All that matters is do you have Jesus? <laughs> because if you have Jesus, you have everything. No matter what else you may lack. Without Jesus Christ, you are without hope in this world because there is no hope for someone without Jesus Christ. In fact, Ephesians 2.12 tells it to us like this. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. You were alienated, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. We, before we had Jesus, we had no hope gospel says in Romans 6.23 that all have sinned. Or rather, for the wages of sin is death. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. This is the message of the gospel. You are a sinner. And that's bad news, isn't it? But the good news is this. Jesus Christ paid for your sins. You don't have to pay for them. This is the gospel. The gospel says this morning that, that the message of Christmas and God's plan for the world is tied up in what Jesus Christ did for us when he came into the world. It's tied up in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the plan. And the plan very simply is Ephesians 2, 8, 9, where it says this, For by grace you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That, my friend, is the gospel. And you must believe that in order to go to heaven. And if not, then you would die and go to hell and spend an eternity separated from God. You say, man, that's pretty blunt. That's the gospel. It's very blunt. It can be offensive, but you know what? When you embrace it, it's the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. There's no gray area with the gospel. It's clear. And the story is clear in, the, in, in this angelic announcement. And then finally, not only does hope meet us where we are and overcome our obstacles and brings a plan. But finally, hope is received by faith. I love this. I love this because Hebrews 4.2 says it so clearly. For unto us was the gospel preached. Can everybody say that here? Has everybody had the gospel preached to them? If, 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 if you're not sure, you have because you were here this morning. So everybody's had the gospel preached to them. But the word preached did not profit them. Hmm. 
Wonder why? Because it wasn't mixed with faith in them that heard it. You see, you can hear me preach for 25 consecutive years, 10,000 sermons, and nothing changed in your life. Because it's not coming to church and hearing the sermon that does you any good. You have to mix it with your faith. When you mix the message with your faith, then that message comes alive in your life and you do something about it. That's why it says, for by grace you're saved through faith. Whose faith? Not your grandmother's faith, not your grandfather's faith, not your mother's faith or your father's faith, your faith. Every man is given a measure of faith. And you see this morning, this message of hope can change your life if you will believe it by faith. If you'll leave this auditorium this morning and say, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to allow God's word to, to not just be something I let in one ear and out the other, but in one ear and to my heart and explode in my life because I truly want to understand what hope is all about. Let me show you in closing how it looks in Mary's life. You ready for this? Look at Luke chapter 1. In closing, verse 34. Here it is. Then said Mary unto the angel, I love this. How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She's got a question. By the way, it's okay to ask questions. It is. One of the reasons I, I, I began to consider some of the changes I've made in the past five years is because young people had questions, and I got tired of not having answers. I mean, after a while, you just get tired of saying, well, bless God, it's because we've always done it that way. Shut up. That's not an answer. You know what that breeds? Rebellion. Did you hear what my brother said up here? And when you talk to him more personally, you'll find out he's willing to admit that they have a church that's down to 10 people and, and was about to close the doors because of old people that said, young people used to ask questions and then they said, well, bless God, if you don't like it, you can leave. Is that an answer? That's not an answer. And finally, they said, we better start listening. We, and these guys are heroes of the faith, I think, because they're listening now. And, and I'm handling it carefully and gingerly because you know they're not sure they understand everything but they're like we just know we we hadn't been doing it right we've been religious and stuck in our ways and we've been and and we found we're about to close the doors of the church because we we weren't willing to answer questions listen mary had a question to to the angel when the angel said you're going to give birth to jesus she said "Uh -uh, I, i don't get this i ain't never been with a man now, you're going to have to explain yourself. Because my understanding is this, that, you know, and I'll stop right there. But, I mean, I'm just saying, this don't make much sense to me. So it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask questions to God. He's got all kinds of answers. So Mary says, I, I don't know what, what's happening here. And the angel says, the Holy Ghost, here's my answer, the angel says. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore, the holy thing which shall be born of you will be called the Son of God. Now, if I'm Mary, here's what I'm doing. Huh? What? Holy Ghost, what? Overshadow me. Well, I don't... I don't know that that really is, is, is... I mean, now that we know the whole story, but I mean, you put yourself in Mary's shoes, look at Mary's response. Well, first the angel says, and behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has just conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, whom is called barren, 
Here it is. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. What does that sound like to you? That sounds like what the, what the angel was describing was not something she would understand. It was going to be a miracle. Mary, this is not possible with man. I totally get you about the, I've not been with the man thing. I get it. But, but we're not talking about normal stuff here. We're talking about God stuff. This is like miraculous stuff. How many of you still believe God does miracles today? Raise your hand. You believe God's in the miracle? I do too. I still believe in miracles. So notice Mary's response. Verse 38, Mary says, Behold, your handmaid uh, says this to the Lord. She says, Be it unto me according to thy word. Okay, God, I believe. All right, if you say it's going to happen that way, I'll trust you. If nothing's impossible with God, because it doesn't make any sense to me, but you're saying it's going to be a miracle, I believe it'll be a miracle. Now, I'm going to show you one last thing. In 1980, I was sitting in my living room when the United States of America hockey team played the Russians. I'm sitting there, I'm 15 years old, and I'm like every other sports-loving kid. I'm, I'm going crazy because there's no way we're supposed to beat the Russians. There's no way. And I'm sitting, and then I'm standing, and I'm watching the last minute of this game. Like, you're going to watch the last minute of this game. Watch it. Now Petrov controls, back to Palomar, skating in on the left side, into the American end, 55 seconds, but Mikhailov has the puck, Mikhailov sweeping in, out in front, backhander goes wide, yeah. I think Craig might have got just a piece of it, Mikhailov, back out to Vilja Lebedov, 43 seconds remaining. The Russians always win the gold medal, this is impossible, this isn't going to happen. 37 seconds left in the game, Petrov with it, the Americans on top, 4-3, to three. long shot. Craig able to get a piece of it to sweep it away. You guys nervous? Seconds. The crowd going insane. Carlomar shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson, 19 seconds. Now what you listen. Over to Ramsey. Bill Lekhanov gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in kidding me look at this thank you guys that's enough do you believe in me this was a hockey game this was a hockey game we're not talking about the virgin birth we're not talking about the holy ghost of god overshadowing you and putting a seed in your womb that you this is a hockey game and do you believe in miracles yes Here's the average church member that comes to church. We don't want to get excited. I mean, we're only celebrating like a miracle every Sunday. I mean, like Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, like this is really cool stuff. This is amazing. It's like no other faith has this proclaimed that our God rose from the dead. I mean, he was born and lived a perfect life. And, and we, for some reason, feel as if that church has to be some refined, serious place where we walk in stiff as a board and everything's got to be just right, just perfect, and nobody can move around. Listen, every now and then, somebody jump out of the cotton picking stands and get excited. I mean, these guys were tackled on ice because they won a gold medal in hockey. I love Al Michaels, my favorite announcer ever. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! They didn't say a word for like five minutes on national television. And finally, you hear him say... I have no words. Just watch the television. That's what he said. And then for another five minutes, total silence. 
I have no words. Why don't we ever feel that way about God? I have no words. God, you're all I have. I don't know. There's not enough words. You see, this is a miracle we're talking about. Christmas is a miracle. It's hope. It it believes that God is, is going to do something beyond our wildest imaginations. Heaven cannot be explained. We can't do it justice. If I were to explain to you what we have to look forward to, it would blow your mind, blow my mind. There's no way to do it. But I have hope. I have hope that we are going to be blown away one day with how and all that God has planned for us. And so, church, every Sunday, let's celebrate. This is not, hey, listen, we're not a Calvary church. We're a resurrection church. Our God did not stay on the cross. He rose from the dead. We remember the cross four times a year at what's called the Lord's Supper. We remember the sacrifice, but every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection. Every Sunday. And so even though we're looking at this little babe in a manger surrounded by farm animals, and it looks kind of weird and it's kind of strange and it happened in Mount Ida, we know now he's King of kings and Lord of lords. And I have hope that God has things in store for us. If it's cancer for me, my dad had cancer, so I got got to go get those yearly checkups, you know. So far, so good. What is it called? PSA, you know. But every year he does say, you know, your PSA is a little higher than last year, but, you know, it's not still. We're not worried about it. And the next year, it's a little bit higher, but, we're, you know, I I know one year maybe it's going to be, well, we need to do further tests. And if I hear that word cancer, would you pray that I'll have hope? That even... When I hear that, I mean, first of all, God healed my dad. He's, complete, he's 75 years old, cancer-free. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? But, 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 but if, I, if, I, if the news is different for me or... If, you're not thinking about... I, you know, I can't only imagine what those of you, like... I know Tiffany's lost a loved one recently. It just came upon two years. But you have hope. I know you guys in this audience have lost loved ones. But I hope you have more hope because of the sermon. I hope you're encouraged today that it didn't end there. It just began. It just began. Heads about eyes are closed. With heads about and eyes closed, and I'm all done. I went a little over. I got excited. I'm sorry. It's just a little bit better than hockey. I'm sorry. You know. You know, I want to just close this service out with one thing, and we're dismissed. And that is, we're going to stand and sing Cornerstone. And I want us to sing that song. It's the new version of of the song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. At the end of the song, we'll be dismissed. It's 12, 16. So three or four minutes, we're we're through. But for three or four minutes, I'm going to ask you to join me in just celebrating the miracle that God is doing in all of our lives right now. It is a miracle that we have this hope. And it will not fade away. It will not go away. It is real. It is powerful. And it is Christmas. It's Christmas. That's what it's all about. So as we stand in just a moment after I pray, just join us. And if you need to come to the altar, Doug, Butch, myself, we're going to be here to pray with you. If you need to be saved, hey, hey, if you came today to get saved, you're here today because you needed the gospel part of the sermon. And you would say, Brother Eric, that's me. I need that. I need that message. I, I, that, that, that part where you said we're all sinners, that's me. I need, I need to be saved today. You come down here and let's get that settled. But if you're here today a believer, but you, you just lost hope, 
You've just been kind of floating through this life without much hope. Today, embrace it. Stand on it. Sing it. Proclaim it. Believe it. Father, I love you. I pray, God, that you bless this service and speak to our hearts. And, Father, as we stand and sing, may our voices be a testimony of what we believe about hope. And I I thank you, God, for the audience this morning and how they've listened. And all your blessings over the past 25 years. May this song be a testimony of our thankfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together?